welcome to Grace Life Church Podcast. If you would like any more information about us, please visit our website, gracelife.com.au. Good morning. <laughs> Good morning. Um, what a great morning so far. Um, I've got the privilege of sharing around our topic of restoring the awe. That's the, this, this, the series that we're in this month. Um, I've called my message today, I've just simply called it Fresh Vision. Because I believe that's really what this series is about. It's about fresh vision. Our key text that we've been looking at over the last month has been um, the chapter of Isaiah 6. <clears throat> and um, the first, um, I believe there's a couple of keys. Um, at the beginning of Isaiah 6, I just want to read verse 1. And you'll all know it. In the, in the year that King Uzziah died, I saw the Lord sitting on a throne. I think there's two really important things about this first verse of this chapter of Isaiah. What did Isaiah see? What did he see? Who did Isaiah see? That's the first thing. It's really important that we see the Lord. If he hadn't seen the Lord, if he hadn't been where he was, and he had to walk up a mountain and go to the temple back then to see the Lord, he wouldn't have had the vision. He saw heaps of other things in his vision. There was seraphim and smoke and hot coals, doorposts shaking. But the first thing he saw was the Lord. We need to see the Lord. We need a fresh vision of the Lord. Secondly, when did Isaiah see the Lord? It tells us. In the year that King Uzziah died, it's really significant. In the year that King Uzziah died, Isaiah saw the Lord. This was a really bad year. Um, Uzziah had been a good king for most of his reign, but towards the end, he was not so good. He disobeyed God terribly. And in this year, in the year that Isaiah had this vision, King Uzziah was rotting of leprosy and was dying. So in this year that Isaiah saw the Lord, his beloved king Uzziah was dying. There was imminent war looming and Uzziah's young, immature, inexperienced son was about to take over the throne with war just around the corner. In the year that King Uzziah died, Isaiah sees his Lord sitting on a throne. He really needed to see that. He really needed to see it. Our circumstances have got nothing to do with us needing a fresh vision. In this year that King Uzziah died, Isaiah saw the Lord. What are you seeing maybe when a pandemic breaks out in your country? What are we seeing? What do I see? What are you seeing? Amen. Um, nine years after Isaiah saw this vision, he had another one in Isaiah 11. And guess where Isaiah was again? He was seeing the Lord again. And this is what he saw. And, and this time, nine years later, um, war is no longer looming. The southern kingdom is now completely surrounded by the Assyrians and they're about to be annihilated. Completely annihilated. And here's Isaiah looking at his Lord again. And he's, he tells us this, that a shoot will come up from the stump of Jesse, from his roots, 
A branch will bear fruit. This was good news. Oh, this must have been so sweet for Isaiah's heart. And the spirit of the Lord will rest on him and the spirit of wisdom and of understanding, the spirit of counsel and of might, the spirit of the knowledge and the fear of the Lord. And he will delight in the fear of the Lord. Do you know that we can't have a healthy fear of the Lord without knowing God? In this passage, knowing God as he really is. Knowing God and fearing him, they fit together like a glove. They go together. And if you have a good look in the scriptures, they're so often in the same sentence. Fearing God and knowing God. And Jesus did not only fear God, he delighted in the fear of God. He delighted in the humble, reverent obedience to his father. How did he do that? He knew him. He knew his God. <laughs> the fear of the Lord was a hard issue for Jesus. Awestruck reverence and joyful obedience, it's a hard issue for us. It's not hard, it's not impossible, but it does require a soft, moldable, yielded heart. And the good news is he does the moulding, he does the softening. Oh, <laughs> Psalm 37, 4 says to delight yourself in the Lord and he'll give you the desires of our hearts. Our hearts are important. The Bible tells us to guard our hearts above all else. He'll give us the desires of our heart. We were created with a capacity for awe. A capacity for our hearts to carry awe. Every human being, not just believers, every human being was created with a capacity to carry all. We were born with the need to be dazzled, awestruck, amazed, wowed, and filled with wonder. Every human being was, believer, non-believer. We were created for this, and the tiniest glimpse of him will stir up those kinds of responses in our hearts. Amen? <laughs> it changes everything when you see him. So the question that I want to ask is, why does that all need to be restored? We have this amazing God who is, is more amazing than we could ever imagine. And we have him. Why does that all need to be restored? This book here is full of stories of why our all needs to be restored. It's because we have fickle... Next slide, please. Where's We have fickle, wandering hearts. Fickle, wandering hearts. That's not me. I'm sure that it's not you. It's not you, is it, darling? It's your neighbour. <laughs> it's your neighbour. Why don't you say to the, the person next to you and ask them, do you have a fickle heart? Don't ask. Yeah. <laughs> it's never me. Hmm. Fickle, wandering hearts. It's the story of this book, really. I feel like God gave me a psalm to explore today around this subject of the fear of the Lord and restoring the awe. And I want to look at Psalm 36. David addresses this need in our hearts to encounter delight, our insatiable hunger to be wowed. He addresses this posture of our hearts to live in the fear of God. And um, he's broken this psalm into three parts. So if you've got your Bible, turn to Psalm 36. I'm going to be looking at three areas. The blindness of the fallen human heart. Then he talks about a vision of love. And then he prays a prayer for continuous encounter. So let's go and have a look at the first couple of verses. 
Our first section, the blindness of the fallen human heart. And I've asked Pastor Alex if he'll read verse 1 to 4 for us. Sin whispers to the wicked deep within their hearts. They have no fear of God at all. In their blind conceit, they cannot see how wicked they really are. Everything they say is crooked and deceitful. They refuse to act wisely or do good. They lie awake at night hatching sinful plots. Their actions are never good. They make no attempt to turn from evil. Okay, so verse 1. Sin whispers to the wicked deep within their hearts. They have no fear of God at all. The wicked can't see God. They can't see him. They have no reverential fear. The sin that separates them from him is deep within their hearts. It's not their external behaviour that separates them from God. It's the lack of reverential fear deep within the hearts. They have no vision of God before their eyes. Why? The Bible tells us really clearly in 2 Corinthians 4.4, it says this, The God of this world has blinded the minds of those who do not believe. They're blind. John 3 verse 19 and 20 says this, John says that this is the verdict. Light has come into the world, Jesus has come, but people loved darkness instead of light because their deeds were evil. Everyone who does evil hates the light. Have you experienced this? And will not come into the light for fear that their deeds will be exposed. The lost are ensnared and trapped by an enemy that's blinded them. That was me. (laughs) They've surrendered to the desires of their hearts. Okay, verse 2. Let's go to verse 2. In their blind conceit, they cannot see how wicked they really are. Okay, so the lost, when they're lost in their own self-righteousness, that's what conceit means, without a vision of God, a healthy fear of God, men will do what is right in their own eyes. When I lose my vision of God, I'll do what's right in my own eyes. Judges 17 verse 6 says this, that in the days Israel had no king, everyone did as they saw fit. (laughs) When God is not sitting on the throne of my heart, I'm in great danger of being deceived. And the scary part is that I won't even know it. Verse 3. Verse 3 said that everything they say is crooked and deceitful. They refuse to act wisely or to do good. The Bible says a lot about wisdom, doesn't it? There's a lot about wisdom in the Bible. And Proverbs 4, 7, most of you will probably know, says that the beginning of wisdom is this. It's so simple. It says, get wisdom. (laughs) The beginning of wisdom is get it, get wisdom. Say to the person on your left, get wisdom. We've got to get it. Another verse that you'll be familiar with is Proverbs 9.10. And this one says that the fear of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom and the knowledge of the Holy One. I want you to have a listen to this verse in the Amplified Version. Listen to this Amplified. The reverent fear of the Lord that is worshipping Him and regarding Him as truly awesome. 
is the beginning and the preeminent part of wisdom. That means it's the starting point and it's the essence of wisdom and it's the knowledge of the Holy One. It's understanding and spiritual insight. There's that glove again. The fear of the Lord and knowing God. The wicked, though, they cannot access true wisdom. Why can't they access true wisdom? 1 Corinthians 1 verse 24 tells us that Christ is the wisdom of God. They're blind. Christ is the wisdom of God. And verse 21 says that the world, through its wisdom, they didn't know him. Aren't you glad you're saved? It sounds a bit doom and gloomy, doesn't it? It is. It is. It should cause it should cause that sentiment in our heart when we read these verses. There's a lost world. There's a lost world. That's why Jesus came. They're very lost. They really are. I was lost. Okay, so we need to know. We know that we need to get wisdom. We need to fear the Lord because it's the beginning of wisdom. Jesus Christ is the wisdom of God and true wisdom is knowing Christ. Okay, verse 4. Verse 4 said that they lie awake at night hatching sinful plots. Their actions are never good. They make no attempt to turn from evil. Fallen humanity, our friends, your neighbours, our family, your schoolmates, your work colleagues... They cannot see God. They don't fear him. They're ensnared by the enemy and they love the darkness. And they don't even know it, that it's dark. They're blinded by self-righteousness and they're deceived in their hearts. They are awestruck and hungry, but not for righteousness. They're unable to receive or perceive the gospel and they're helpless to be free from sin. So these four verses, David gives us a snapshot of fallen humanity. You just let it sink in your heart for a minute why Jesus came. But Isaiah in this psalm, suddenly, straight after these verses, he quickly switches gear and he paints a picture for us of new covenant love that every human being on the planet was created for. And we're going to have a look at these next few verses in a video on the screens.
steadfast love, O Lord, extends to the heavens. Your faithfulness to the clouds. Your righteousness is like the mighty mountains. Your judgments are like the great deep. You save humans and animals alike, O Lord. How precious is your steadfast love. All people may take refuge in the shadow of your wings. For with you is the fountain of life. In your light we see. Amen. That was that was the wrong video. <laughs> it's missing the lyrics. <laughs> But the last lyrics that came up right now was, Thank you, Lord, for your perfect failing love. Hmm. My question is, why are we not always thankful? Why are we not always thankful for all that he's done for us? Why is it that we aren't speechless and breathless when we consider the weight of the cross? Why aren't we speechless with the weight of the cross? Why don't I want to talk about him all the time? <laughs> Why don't I want to? What holds us back from extravagant, passionate praise? It's so silly, the things that do. What stops my heart from leaping every single morning when I wake up and I remember that he's with me? <laughs> That's the greatest revelation I've ever had. Oh, that he's with me. It's breathtaking. Why does church sometimes feel like a ritual? We have those days. Why does moaning and complaining come so easily to me with all that he's done? <laughs> Author Paul Tripp, none of you have ever read or heard Paul, he would suggest that our awe has been misplaced that the all God created us to carry, that it's been misplaced. He would say this. He suggests that we're all forgetful. Next slide, thank you. All discouraged, all empty, all deceived, all seduced, all kidnapped, and all weary. He's suggesting that this is the real War. This is the real battle that we fight when horizontal awe of our king gets captured by lesser things and replaced with vertical awe. We will lack the fear, reverence, wonder and worship of God. God designed us to enjoy everything that he's made. He did. He enjoys creation with us. The rainbows, mountains, butterflies, bullfrogs, hippopotamuses, <laughs> zebra stripes. He enjoys all of that with us. He made it. He named it. He enjoys it with us. In fact, he thinks that, I wrote down here, salmon swimming up waterfalls. Isn't that amazing how they swim up? He thinks that's amazing too. Pink flamingos standing on one leg for four hours. Bears hibernating in a cave for half a year. He thinks it's amazing too. But all of this was meant to remind us of the one who made it. It's for us to celebrate and appreciate 
But it was never meant to be the ultimate thing. Tripp also states this. He says, Creation was not made to be the stopping place and the feeding station of your heart. I want to illustrate this. Let me read it again. Creation was not made to be the stopping place or the feeding station of our hearts. This illustrates this really well, a street sign, a sign. We've all seen a street sign. When we look for a street sign, it's not the thing we're looking for, is it? The street sign isn't what we're looking for. A sign points us to what we're looking for. Do you understand? I want to illustrate this and just show you. Let me grab. So this is a sign. Put this just over here. This is a sign that says the gap. Anyone here been to the gap in Albany? Yep. Um, so you want to you want to see the gap. So you drive to Albany, and um, you need to look for the sign that says that the gap is this way. <laughs> but um, this is what we can tend to do. We find the sign. And we can sit down at the sign and camp here. <laughs> the sign's pointing that way and the gap's over there. If I let this sign take up all my focus and all my energy and all my passion and all my time and I let it become maybe my addiction a huge distraction in my life, I'll never see the gap. If I let the signs <laughs> be the ultimate, I'm going to miss what I was looking for. If I get stuck here at this sign, I'll never hear the howling and blowing of the wind between the canyon walls. Gap's amazing, isn't it? If I get stuck here, I'll never get wet hair and get drenched when I'm leaning over the rail because king-size waves with freezing water spray all over you. If I get stuck here, if you do, you'll never understand how dangerous the rocks are and how far you could fall if you slipped off the edge like these dills. <laughs> My dad did that once. Or we'll never know how stunningly beautiful the white spray is as you look at the gap close up and in person. All of creation is like a street sign. It's there to remind us of the one who made it so that we would run to him and worship him and thank him for it and be so grateful but give him our worship. Amen? Amen. He's a jealous God. <laughs> he really is. He alone deserves all of the glory and his jealousy is fueled by perfect love, perfect, powerful love. He loves us so much. He loves you so much and he wants you to love him back. In fact, we need to be loved by him. He wants our love. How do we know that we love him? 
The Bible's really clear about that. <laughs> 1 John 5 verse 2 to 4 says that true love for God means obeying his commands. It's not hard. And Jesus summed them up in one, well in two, but you can't do the second one without doing the first one. What was it? What was it? It was love the Lord your God with all of your heart and all of your soul and all of your mind and all of your strength. It's not complicated. He wants the glory. He needs to get all the glory because he knows what's best for us, doesn't he? He really does. He wants us to be consumed with his love and that'll never happen if I don't worship him and give him all the glory. He demands exclusive devotion. He's hard. He's tough. <laughs> he does not just demand that I worship him. He demands that I worship only him. Now, this is where the wheels really fall off the wagon for all of humankind. <laughs> Misplace or in creation is bad. But the real problem is me. The real problem is with me. When my vertical awe of the creator is blocked, misplaced or forgotten and I stop seeing him, I forget who he is. We quickly forget, don't we? We quickly forget. And when I forget, I will question his goodness and his power and his character and who he is. And doubt and anxiety and worry will begin to creep in. And this causes me to take my life into my own hands because I no longer trust the one that I can't see. To control my own life my way and it now becomes my kingdom, my will be done. <clears throat> not, in, not encountering God's love, on a regular basis, it's a slippery slope into things like this, into self-righteousness, into self-indulgence, into self-consciousness, into self-interest, to self-worship, self-obsession, self-inflation, self-centeredness, selfishness. No looking at your neighbour. <laughs> When I don't encounter God's love on a regular basis, it's a spiralling downward cycle into self-aggrandizement, self-preoccupation, God help me, self-dependence, self-serving, self-absorption and self-love. And can I just say, being a mum of three boys, I have seen teenage boys demonstrate some of those Symptoms in front of long mirrors many times. <laughs> There's good news though. There's very good news. We're helpless and he's amazing. <laughs> He'll rescue us. He came to rescue us. We really are hopeless. This is the good news. Next slide. Thanks, Wes. Listen to this. Since I am my biggest problem and the greatest danger to me is me and since I'm never able to escape from myself, I have absolutely no capacity whatsoever to fix what is broken. Yay! I need a redeemer. Oh, it's good news. 
It's really good news. We need a redeemer. And we've got one. He came. Do you see him? We need to see him. Our psalmist David is redirecting our hearts back to vertical awe in this psalm. (laughs) David practiced this well. (laughs) He did. I'm going to ask Pastor Alex to read verses 7 to 9 out of Psalm 36. How precious is your unfailing love, O God. All humanity finds shelter in the shadow of your wings. You feed them from the abundance of your own house, letting them drink from your river of delights. For you are the fountain of life, the light by which we see. God is love. We were created to experience that love, not just to read about it and sing about it. Amen? Amen. To experience it daily. That's why he created us. And it's so simple, we just need to come to him. Don't get stuck. (laughs) Don't get stuck in all the wonderful, beautiful things that he's given us to enjoy. Everything that he's given us should redirect our hearts back this way and should remind us. And if it doesn't, that's a warning for you that maybe something's captured your gaze that shouldn't be. He's longing to dazzle you with his majesty. (laughs) He really is. What is the posture of your heart? Is it open wide longing for fresh vision? Guard your heart above all else, for it's the wellspring of life. It's right here that the Father, the Son and the Spirit come and make their home. Right here. They said that we'll come and make our home here. So guard, guard this above all else. David closes his psalm with a prayer for continuous encounter. Thanks, Alex, verse 10 to 12. Pour out your unfailing love on those who love you. Give justice to those with honest hearts. Don't let the proud trample me or the wicked push me around. Look, those who do evil have fallen. They are thrown down, never to rise again. There's more to encounter, but there will be opposition. We know that there is. There will be opposition. Do you know that the depth of intimacy that you have will always offend the person that has less than you do? But don't worry about it. Don't let that hold you back. Don't let it hold you back. Don't let it stop you from gazing and looking at him and wanting more. Don't let it stop you. His grace will rescue us every day if we come to him. Or, this word or, it's not an addition. We don't just need a bit, a bit of all. We need, <laughs> we need it to be consumed. We need to be consumed. We need to be consumed and filled up with awe of his majesty, of our redeemer. We need to live in the fear of the Lord. It's the beginning of wisdom and it's knowing Christ. You know, when King David was a boy, he wasn't brave. When he fronted up to Goliath, he was awestruck. He knew his God. The vision that he had in his eyes was so much greater than that little giant. Do you see? His vision was greater. Jesus is the fountain of life. May the cry of our hearts be, pour out your unfailing love on us, God. We need continual encounter. 
there must be a cry deep within your heart that wants him. I can't do it for you. Your life group leader can't do it for you. There must be a cry in your heart that wants him above all the distractions, above all the opinions, the rebellion and the lukewarmness that's around you. The psalmist is right when he prays, don't let the proud trample me or the wicked push me around. Look, those who do evil have fallen, thrown down, never to rise again. Don't let those whose hearts have been seduced by lesser things influence yours. How do you do that? You get a fresh vision every day. You keep your eyes lifted up toward heaven, to where our help comes from. Amen? There must come a trembling at his word that lifts me above all of the horizontal wonders and enticements of this world that vie for my heart's affection. We have a redeemer. Do you see him? We have a redeemer. We hope you've enjoyed listening to this podcast from Grace Life Church. For more information about us or any of our services, please visit our website at gracelife.com.au.